0: Hello, everyone. I'm Gorilla Monsoon. And I'm your host, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Oh, why don't you be serious? You're not the host, Brain. Well, I should be. Christy Francesco is the host. Christy Francesco? Yes, that's correct. Huh. I didn't stutter. Didn't he get whacked in an episode of The Sopranos? Oh, give me a break. He hosts a podcast, Brain. Who the hell doesn't? Well, his is about wrestling. Who the hell's isn't? Uh, well, he talks about old wrestling. Wow! What a novel idea. Oh, give me a break. Next, you're going to tell me he's got a wrestling theme name for the show? Well, he, uh, come on, Monsoon, spit it out. It's the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. So what? And it's starting now.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Hot Tag Wrestling Show. I am Christy Francesco, joined, as always, Johnny B. Blood, or you know him as George Rogers. George, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, buddy? Two nights in a row. How about that? Uh, I know, right? See, see, we're we're back, y'all. I told you. I told you. So I I waited till this show to let everyone know, kind of like this new era. Like tonight, in my opinion, this was the goal, was the first Survivor Series show to let everybody know that this is a, a, a new era of the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. Um, you know, we have that that logo that's only been brand new for a, a couple months now. Uh, we have that. Know That uh, thank you so much to Extra Cooler for for creating that that absolute gem for us. Um, and my point was, as a new era, is yes, we're 115 episodes into the Hot Tag Podcast, but you know, it, it's there's been quite a few starts and stops, and a lot of that has to do with either scheduling. It has to do with me. A lot of times, um, I was kind con- of I was connected with a few other things. Uh, getting in the way, um, and and what I've been very transparent and frank with everybody about multiple times is, you know, the WWE lost me for a little bit, and they they, they you know it was the longest, um, this past like six seven months was the longest I've ever gone not watching a a current Raw or SmackDown. I watched a couple NXTs because I'll I'll always support anything that Shawn Michaels does. And I always thought, and I've thought this for two or three years, that start to finish NXT is the best wrestling show on television. Um, and I, I still, I still believe that. Uh, but it was just, um, it was rough. It was a rough like six months or so where I couldn't, I just could not watch Raw or SmackDown. Um, you know, I and it's funny because I, I would not watch Raw or SmackDown. I would wake up the next morning on a Tuesday morning or a Saturday. And I would already basically in my head know what had happened on Raw and SmackDown. And I would check their Instagram or their Twitter. I'd be like, exactly. I knew it was almost the same main event all the time, the same storylines. And it would just bother me a lot. But as we're getting towards Survivor Series and we're moving towards the Rumble and Mania season, I've noticed things have gotten uh, better. Um, I'm entering these shows on Raw and SmackDown with a, with a more of an open mind I'm trying to settle in and and try to find stories like what stories are they trying to tell me how are they trying to bring me in um you know I'm not a, I'm not cynical like a piece of trash Vince Russo or guys like that you know I can still love and appreciate everything about pro wrestling but also still criticize it um because you know like following your favorite sports team or your favorite television show. It's not going to be great all the time, and it's going to be bad sometimes. It's just the way, the way you know, uh, pro wrestling is cyclical. It, it very much is a very cyclical business. Um, I've been watching it since 1990, and that's, you know, 30, 33 years I've been watching professional wrestling. So the fact that this is the first time I've gone six months, and that's the most I've ever gone without watching it, that that to me you know it says something and um i think uh, i think since it's come out that vince mcmahon has absolutely zero to do with anything creatively and that came down from from endeavor that came down from tko like stay away from the creative process of what's going on um that makes me hopeful for the future and i'm excited for that um I'm I'm really really excited for the title to finally be off Roman Reigns at some point. I I mean I hope it's Saturday. I hope it's Crown Jewel where LA Knight becomes like I'm I'm just tired. I'm tired of it. And and I got to credit Seth Rollins for helping me become tired of Roman Reigns. I and I think George might feel the same way. We come from an upbringing of pro wrestling where your world champion is everywhere always that it he's the standard barrier for the company he's a world champion he's supposed to be on my television mostly every week maybe every other week um you know we complained so much and i and us too we all did this guy uh, you know george and, and dean and i would be in a group for i felt like two years like why is brock not showing up on tv why is he not defending the title Roman reigns has one title defense in six months, like i I mean, George, are you at a point now where you're ready for an every week champion to be back on t v again? Um, do you like what you're seeing out of the bloodline and the Roman reigns, or in your opinion, has this all finally you know run its course?
0: me personally, I still like the bloodline stuff mm-hmm. because R- Roman is so invested into the character. To where everything feels big. And even the stuff he's doing now with LA Knight. And let's let's not kid ourselves. Like we know Crown Jewel's coming up. We know Roman's gonna defend title against LA Knight, but I'm not cynical enough to think that LA Knight's gonna come away with the belt. Not, I would yeah. like la- I would like to think that Roman wins, but under like I mean, but as, as always, under shady circumstances, like Roman isn't gonna get a clean pinfall victory on LA Knight. But I think LA Knight is so far over that. Even when he does lose on Saturday, it's not going to ruin his momentum because he's mm-hmm. so hyped with the crowd. And even the stuff that happened on uh, on on SmackDown where Roman came out and he gets his grand entrance, and LA Knight interrupted it mm-hmm. and just walked past him, <laughs> didn't look at him, and then got in the ring and then sat at the head of the table. It's yep. just, it's like you know what? This is kind of what we need. Yeah. Um, like LA Knight. Yes, I know he's got shades of the rock and he's got shades of Austin but why not why not have those Mm -hmm. isn't this what the business kind of needs right now someone who can give a shot of life to the industry so we're not seeing the same stuff over and over again Mm -hmm. you know I love John Cena and you love John Cena but if he comes out for contract signing it's the same thing you know Cena will make his entrance and then he'll sit on the table opposite you know Roman and then do like the same spiel this was something this felt a little different with LA Knight you know, mm-hmm. Roman wasn't controlling the promo. LA Knight was controlling the promo. Yep. So the fact that, so the fact that they're showing a little bit of faith behind LA Knight, you know, mm-hmm. it it shows that like this is clearly a Triple H call. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's in control, and the fact that he's in, in control of creative, ninety nine point nine percent of creative is is under him.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: shows have felt different. Yes. Like it's like all right, it's like you can you can kind of feel it's like all right, there's a bit of a change in the air here. Let's kind of see where this goes. So like I'm not tired of the bloodline because it feels like it's all coming to an end. Like there is a, a bit of a light at the end. Mm-hmm. And if I want my every and if I want my weekly champion, I I, I got Seth over on Raw. Mm-hmm. But and to 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 your credit, you and I have reviewed. Www pay-per-views where Hogan was not on. Yeah, and Hogan was not defending the, the title. So this is mm-hmm. really not. This kind of feels like this because even when Roman's not on screen, they're constantly talking about the bloodline. He's yeah. in the conversation, mm-hmm. just like how Hogan was on those yeah. WW pay-per-views. Hogan was in the conversation. The NWO was, you know, obvious around. So if like Solo or Jimmy or like Heyman, you know, just talking anybody, just seeing mm-hmm. them makes you think Roman Reigns.
1: Yeah. That's a good he's, point. That's a very
0: so good he, point. So he's a, he's in the thought process. But you know, I'm excited to see where some of these other guys go. Like the Creed brothers, they just debuted on Raw on Monday.
1: They were spectacular.
0: With, with a win over yeah. Alpha Academy. Yeah. I mean Alpha and, and Alpha Academy Clean. is over and yeah and they're over as fuck too. Yep. yep. Like these people are getting shots now because it's not just You know Vince calling up some people, throwing them up on the main roster, and losing to God knows what. Yeah, you know these guys are coming up, and they're giving you 15 minutes, 20 minutes, showing you. In case you haven't been watching NXT, or -hmm. you know nothing of these people, you're seeing what people in NXT were craving. Yeah, and then over on NXT, you're getting guys like Corbin is down there. Becky Lynch was just their women's champion. Dominic is a North American champion. Dominic is the hottest heel in the business right now. He I is. don't care what you say. He is. The, and you know he is for the fact that he can't get through a promo without the crowd mm-hmm. cutting him off booing. I know. Nobody's and people are like, oh, like he's so it's like, oh, he's get go away heat. It's like, no, that is legitimate heel heat. That's mm-hmm. not X Pac heat. That's not Ronda heat. That's heel heat.
1: Yep. And I you agree. can
0: and you can tell he's been around the business so long he knows how to play to that crowd. Mm-hmm. Like Ray has taught him everything. Eddie has taught him, you know everything. Conan. Dominic has grown up around the Lucha Libre family. Like mm-hmm. they're all just proud of him. And he's learned everything from them. And he that's a hell of a tree to learn from. You no, know, Roman and Conan and, and the Guerrero family. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like Eddie's gone, but you know, Chavo's still around. You can't tell me Chavo's not family friends with with the Mysterios
1: of course yeah
0: yeah
1: it's it, it 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 feels like an exciting time to be a fan again I agree and that's that's where I am with that I think it's an exciting time um I think within the next year or so we're gonna see some big time studs coming up from NXT I think whenever they allow themselves to unleash guys like Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams man you're gonna have some studs um Coming up from NXT. Ivan, I mean, we got some studs on
0: the roster now. Yeah. I mean, it's, only, it's literally only a matter of time before Guther
1: gets pushed to that main event level. Yes, he is an absolute superstar. He is a thoroughbred, that kid. Oh, I, yeah. I love watching anything he does. And, you know, for the first time in like three years, The Miz was interesting. And yeah. what a great, great promo they had on raw. Um, I was like the Miz turned face. Like, that's like, like that's how good Guther is as a
0: heel. Miz is getting cheers.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, it was, it was good stuff. Um, so yeah, exciting things to come. This is a a new beginning for the hot tag and that, and basically what you just heard is what's going to be part of what's going to be new. Uh, we're actually going to, for the first time ever, spend quite a few minutes talking about current stuff so when you hear us next week we're going to talk about what happened at crown jewel and probably monday night raw and then we're going to get into our topic um it's just going to get those creative juices flowing for us uh, to talk about what we like what we dislike maybe what we would like to see Um, but still staying true to uh, the foundation of the hot tag and that's just to go over pay-per-views from the past or special shows in the past and give you some you know top five lists top 10 lists um just make this an, an all-around all-encompassing wrestling show and you know we're really excited for what we have here tonight uh we kind of gave you guys a taste of it on the in your house bad blood show last night uh you guys can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts and That's the Survivor Series 1996. It is Survivor Series month, and that's the month of November. We're covering uh, 1996 and 1999, and then jumping to 2008 and 2009. So um, the first one here is way back, Survivor Series 1996, inside Madison Square Garden. Um, This was the 10th annual Survivor Series And like I mentioned last night, Dean, Dean, my bad. I'm sorry. I just offended you awfully. Um, You're significantly better looking. Uh, George, by 1996, WWF was was beginning to turn the proverbial corner um, for the better, I think, uh, even though at this point, as we've talked about, WCW was in that midst of those 83 consecutive weeks of just murdering Nitro Week after week on Monday nights, but then 1996 rolls around. You got the rise of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, you know, Mankind starting to become pretty popular because of what he's doing with the Undertaker. You have Stone Cold Steve Austin getting into this just iconic program with Brett the Hitman Hart, who you know made his return here at the Survivor uh, at the Survivor Series in 1996. You know, The Rock debuts at this pay-per-view. I mean, he was Rocky Maivia, but The Rock debuts here. Um, and, and you still have, you know, Shawn Michaels, who's coming in here as the world champion on on, a, on an eight-month run here since winning the title at WrestleMania 12. Uh, Psycho Sid is his opponent. Uh, he's a, t- a tippy-top guy. I mean, he's always his whole career. He's never not been a top guy. Um, so you got Michaels. Uh Sid, Brett, Austin, Taker, Mankind. Um, dude, like they were really starting to get that buzz here by late, late of 1996, only to what we now know, just skyrocket to new heights in 1997 and beyond. Um, George, your your opinion and your thoughts on the WWF here in November of ninety-six
0: the pieces were all there. Mm-hmm. They just had to find a way to make the puzzle work. Mm-hmm. It's like they had a thousand piece puzzle and they now they got all these pieces like, all right, how do we put this picture together and get this company back on track? Like everything yeah. was there. It was just a matter of getting um, the right writers, letting some of these guys have a little more freedom with what they do. It's clear Austin had all the freedom in the world to do what he wanted to do. Yes. Um, you know, and with the fact that WSW now, at, at this point, the NWO is a strong faction. There's like legit competition. So there's a reason for them to actually try in the writer's room. Mm-hmm. They're not just like resting back on. Like, ah, well, there's really, not, you know, yeah, it's like Hogan and Flint, you know, old ass Flair and old ass Hogan. You now we can beat them just by putting little bullshit things up. Mm-hmm. But like there was... The pieces were there. It was the matter of just finding the strengths and accentuating them. Mm-hmm. So oh. that you're going to have a lot of trial and error. Uh, I was yes. with Rocky Maivia. We know where his career goes. They don't like the white mate, The the, the white meat baby face. It was clear with him. Mm-hmm. So as you know, as he's getting more booze, you know what do you do? You take him off TV for a little bit. You bring him back as a full fledged heel. You feed into that. It's clear. It, it's clear when stuff like that isn't working, you have to make the change. And by this point, I and mean, going into 1997, they were taking a lot of risks that paid off.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it was like this was what I like. It's like you know, this was a Vince who was taking risks. He was doing what he needed to do. He's like, all right, we got to find a way to change this but not completely emulate what WSW was doing. Right. So, I, I agree. This and
1: this was, yeah. <laughs> to,
0: this to me felt like the star. It's like, all right, we got
1: these stars. What do we do next? Yeah. And, you know, I can vividly remember I, I was turning 10 years old. This, the month of of this pay-per-view uh, November 17th, 1996, I turned 10, you know, two weeks later um, at the end of November And I I just remember, man, like what a time it was to be a wrestling fan at this at this moment. Like it was it was cool again. And it wasn't because WWF, you know, at this point, you know, um, WCW was just getting so hot that past summer with that NWO angle there was such a huge buzz for wrestling again. Um, then you had Austin in the, in the 1996 King of the ring. And now people were wearing Austin. I was wearing, you know, Austin three sixteen t-shirts to school. I was in my heaven at the time because Shawn Michaels was a world champion. I mean, I, I wore, you know, HBK stuff all the time, uh, around, you know, back then to the Morristown and Cherry Hill malls and, um, you know, that's what I did. I wore all my wrestling stuff. And 1996 was such a fun time to be a wrestling fan. And then like, it kind of just blew me away in 1997 where things just got so hot, so fast. Um, you know, geez, it was just wild, you know, Sable Sable's throwing her boobies everywhere. And I'm 11 years old. Like, look at these tatas all over the place. Yeah. Um, You're
0: like, at this point, Chris is like, I'm heterosexual.
1: <laughs> yeah that was uh that was probably the year where i figured out like yeah i think i'm going to enjoy this for the rest of my life um <laughs> hey, this this is gonna do just fine <laughs> this is probably what i'm gonna quote unquote shoot for for the rest of my days (laughs) Uh, so let's get into this pay-per-view and keep this at a pg podcast uh wwf survivor series from madison square garden in new york city november 17th 1996 uh the opening video package was like it's like you look back now for people millennials that are our age george do you get that little bit of a eerie feeling whenever you see anything that had the twin towers on it like yeah yeah and there I was do, a, Chris. and there was a, and there was a lot of it in in this pay-per-view
0: listen i mean <laughs> i i sent you the the screen grab earlier mm-hmm. from when i was watching when they had like the name plates come up and then like you got like the new york city skyrise but then over the twin towers is the survivor series logo i'm just like oh Yeah, come on! on. I mean, (laughs) like I can't even be like, come on, because in '96 I didn't know anything was going to happen five years later, right? You know. So, but it's just you look at it; it's just like it's uh, it's such an
1: odd feeling. It really, uh, it really is. It's it always kind of gets me because every time WWF ran an event in New York, they made that a focal point to, to show them off. I mean, it was but, a huge
0: part of the skyline.
1: It's oh, a, absolutely. A,
0: a, a damn landmark. I mean, right.
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's a packed house, man. MSG they're, they're hanging from the rafters. They're hanging from the rafters. Um, it, it's, uh, we have the, in the house team. in the house that Bruno built. That's correct. Um, he won't let you say anything otherwise. I mean, he's no, dead sir. now, but nonetheless, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Larry Zibisco's like, Hey, I won the feud. uh we have an announced team of Vince McMahon Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross um before we get into anything did you notice during this pay-per-view how often like Jim Ross was like the contrarian to Vince and Vince was the contrarian to JR I felt like they had their own little battle going on um like if Vince said one thing I felt like JR was right there to dispute it
0: <laughs> like like and, and i thought that and i'm like this feels kind of weird but then i remembered at this point also ross was kind of splitting his time well not splittingly like he spent a lot of time at the announce desk but he was also the guy that brought in fake diesel and fake razor moan. so he's a little bit of a heel manager in there to a point as well Makes, so, right. you kinda, so you kind of got a you know yeah, they're going back and forth, you know, but you don't need to, I mean, even now, like with have the three commentators sometimes, you don't need two play-by-play guys. Vince is a play-by-play, and like and JR is doing it too, but he's also getting his little shots in there too when need be as well.
1: Yeah. Um, all right, so let's open things up with our traditional Survivor Series elimination match. Owen Hart, the British Bulldog, and the New Rockers versus um, Doug Furness, Phil Lafon, and the Godwins. Hart and Bulldog were the tag team, were the heel tag champs at this time. Uh, Leaf Cassidy, who we all know as Al Snow, but I know him as Leaf Cassidy or Cassidy, comma Leaf. The Godwins were uh, a face team, a baby face team here. You know, there there wasn't a crowd reaction at all, except for Hart and Bulldog, and nobody um, on this night knew who Furnace and LaFon were, and after this night, didn't really know who Furnace and LaFon were, but. Nonetheless, they've been a tag team for a long time, but this was their first pay-per-view um, with the WWF coming over from Japan. Um, at least they were all tag teams. At least everybody in here were tag team. They weren't thrown together uh, for the sake of an elimination match. So that was pretty cool. Um, at the end, Doug Furness and Phil LaFon get the win um, after – I I can't find the time here. Uh oh, it was almost 21 minutes. 21 uh 20 minutes, 41 seconds. I yeah. Think. Dude, I I gave this like a little over three stars. I thought it was actually a lot better than I ever, ever, ever remembered it. Uh what was your thoughts on it? Same. I
0: was I I I laughed because you know when they when the when the Bulldogs came out, I saw a Bulldog and, and I know, and then I saw, I was like, and then we're looking, I was like, is that Al Snow? Then I then it like hit me. I was like, ah, oh, son of a bitch.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then here comes, and then here comes old, Martimist uh, Martimus uh
1: <laughs> the legend.
0: He he seems so out of place with everybody else. I know, I know. Like he yeah. started off the match and he's doing like that weird little like tiptoe thing where he's like trying to be heel, but it's like he never learned how to be a heel.
1: Yeah.
0: It's like, Marty, this. Go home. <laughs> just go, go, just go home. Yeah. And clearly, I mean, he was the first one eliminated for the match. And like, I'm sitting here myself. I'm like, of course he
1: was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and it's funny. I was poking fun at Furnace and LaFont. But I didn't, I, you know, I say that in jest because, you know, they're not. Big name tag team. They don't have any personalities, but damn, they were really good in that ring at Survivor Series 1996. Uh, were you impressed with Furnace and Lafond?
0: Man, Furnace was a drop kick that oof! Yeah,
1: he must yep. have taught Bob Holly because that was nice. It really was. It was. It was a, a, a sweetness of, of I, a drop I, kick.
0: I think at '96 we weren't ready for Furnace and Lafond yeah we weren't ready for their
1: type of wrestling i think you're right i think they were probably ahead of their time yeah they were like a era of wwf yeah
0: i think they were like a like a ruthless aggression type tag team like a lot you know technically sound they were doing a lot of you know a lot of suplexes that you you really weren't seeing a lot of you know you weren't seeing a lot of german suplexes and over the head belly belly suplexes at this time yeah um and a lot of just straight athleticism and power from LaFon, and it, it's it's like wow, like we we weren't ready for this yet, but you know your kids are gonna love it, kind of <laughs> such kind of scenario.
1: It always goes back. It all comes back. Unbelievable. Um, so you he, it shouldn't be unbelievable at this point. And you know, we we'll get it. Yeah. Oh, it's not unbelievable <laughs> to me. Um, now man, kind of Paul Bear being interviewed by Kevin Kelly in the Boiler Room. Bear complained about how he had to be in a cage for this match. Uh, Mankind told him not to worry. Uh, Mankind and Paul Bear make their entrance. Bear was put in the cage that was suspended above the ring. Lawler uh, left the announce team at this point because he had uh, he was part of the next uh, Survivor Series elimination match, so it was just uh, Vince and and Jr. The Undertaker made his entrance. It was a spectacular. I mean, it was a a great entrance as he's descending from the rafters, which was rare like a one-time yeah like yeah literally um i'm surprised their wb well they were too dumb probably to send a cease and desist after seeing that but nonetheless it was pretty close to a as close to batman as you can get um it was a super cool visual they're busy prepping they're, they're they're busy prepping Clooney and sex they weren't even worried uh, about it yeah you can't worry about the undertaker when you got Clooney. uh yeah um, it was a really cool visual, and he got a mega ovation. New York City always loved them. Some Undertaker. Um, what did you think of the entrance? I was
0: confused. I'm like, why is he descending from the rafters?
1: It's, I thought but it was Sting. At the same time, I'm like,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got to be Sting, but it's got to. It's
1: always got to be. Not, Sting.
0: Actually, no, and no, and in '96, Sting wasn't descending from the rafters. Maybe that's where Sting stole it from.
1: Yeah. Who
0: no yeah. the fuck knows? <laughs> but I mean, it was, it was a cool visual plus. The, Plus Taker's in that uh, that black leather wrestling outfit. So we're getting some shades of uh, of what he's like outside of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it looked good. Damn, it looked good. It really did. It, for except sure. For his, Absolutely. Except for his fucking
1: teardrop. How oh, dare I, you? I,
0: I never got that. I never uh, understood it.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know. The Undertaker, of course, was the baby face while Mankind was a heel. It was their continuation of of their of their feud that saw Bear turn on Taker to align himself back in Summerslam, um, you know Undertaker's wearing like we said different ring attire, like real shiny leather <laughs> from what he he wore in previous years. Um, just a straight black leather look. Uh, he had the tear drop coming out of his eye. I think it was a real tear. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, he does get to win. Uh, After about 15 minutes, Undertaker gets uh, the win by pinfall. I thought it was a really good match from them. I don't think these two ever had a bad confrontation. Um, You know, they they had a lot of matches together. And, uh, you know, they they always got really good time. It was very physical. They told great stories. Um, I think it was clear Undertaker loved working with Foley um, because Taker took some good punishment from Mick. Um, or mankind but and as always mankind took some brutal bumps um which is of course you yeah know. The, those Irish hoops into the corner like you could just hear
0: the oh ring my gosh. moving I was I like know. oh my god like we're like we're starting the match off with this
1: yeah yeah I, I <laughs> it's it, I'm thinking to myself dude like relax okay? did
0: <laughs> he Taker did a drop toe hold and yeah. even the even though like and even Vince is
1: like oh when was the last time the Undertaker did it drop total? i know. like yeah. and, and I want to remind everybody here that during yeah. this pay per view the Undertaker is 31 years old. He looks like he's 45. <laughs> like, Taker
0: Taker looks like he's 45 now, so maybe that was just what he's been going for. Isn't, isn't it's just like
1: crazy? Um, yeah,
0: and 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 this is a, a a bit of a turning point also for him. Because Mm -hmm. before this, it's just it was just like gimmick matches for him. Yes, yeah. You know, it's like oh, you know, we're gonna have him face this big guy or this big guy. Like Diesel was the last big guy they really faced. But Mm -hmm. once they got Mick Foley, and they're like, and they kind of let him loose. Like, there's a lot of really good chemistry between Undertaker and Mankind. Let's see who else Taker can be good in the ring with. You know, you don't need him to be with big guys all the time, right? Right. And and Taker works. Great with the smaller guys. I mean, mm-hmm. Mick's only what like, what's man mankind like five, 11, 5 if that. I mean, Mick Foley's got to
1: be maybe no like taller sticks. than six foot. I mean, oh, well, well, I mean, Wikipedia says six two.
0: I, he's walking all hunched over. I don't think he's six two anymore. No, I don't think but so. Maybe, either. but even six two. I mean, take her six ten. So yeah. <laughs> it's a half yeah. a foot difference.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Um. So, but but still, and then the the the. The post-match was stupid, like real dumb. It was probably my least favorite thing of the entire show. Um, at this point, the Undertaker was supposed to get his hands on Paul Bear. He won the ability to do whatever he wanted to Paul Bear. However, the Executioner, which was a mass wrestler, showed up to attack Taker. He went air to Taker. Bear left the ring. Undertaker hits, hits a clothesline on the Executioner, and he just leaves. And that's it. Yep. It's not even talked about after that. Um, what the hell was that? Who booked this shit?
0: Yes, <laughs> poor Terry Gordy. He deserved better than being the executioner.
1: He really did. He really did. I, mean,
0: I wonder if he knew Doc Hendricks was working in the company. Knew Doc Hendricks, like, hey, I wonder if they, is that my old Freebird buddy?
1: <laughs> oh, I would love to have seen that. That would have been great. Um, so let's move on here. Uh, actually, no, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back to the other side and we should be able to wrap up SummerSlam 96 on the other side. um, I'm Christy Francesco. That's George Rogers. Uh, This is the Hot Tag Wrestling Show and we'll be right back in just a few seconds. Stay with us. All right, welcome back. Hot Tag Wrestling Show. We are covering Survivor Series from 1996. Um, So let's move this thing on, shall we? Um, The lovely Sunny at this time, she was... Amazing. Uh, she walks down ringside to join commentary for the next match. Vincent did some dancing that looked bad, bad. as as you know, Jr. definitely made that known. Yeah. Um, Jerry like, "What are you dancing for? sounds stupid." <laughs> it was so funny. Um, the heel team coming in here. We're up to our our, our next elimination Survivor Series elimination match. Hunter Hearst helmsley Crush, Jerry Lawler, and Gold Dust coming down against um. Wildman Mark Merrow with Sable, Rocky Maivia, Jake the Snake Roberts, and the stalker, Barry Windham. Poor Barry um, Windham. He deserved better. Oh, boy, did he ever. Um, so the, the heel team of this one was led by Triple H, uh, who at this time was the Intercontinental Champion. Mark Merrow led the, the babyface group here. Barry Windham, who had a terrible looking mustache, um, just bad um you have jake the snake roberts who's here and then you have the rocks debut man like how crazy! like even when he's coming down to the ring you hear jr said that's the future man that's a blue chipper that's a blue chipper right there little did we know he was gonna become the the most popular wrestler in the history of pro wrestling um uh so it's just crazy to see uh you know, the rock in in this. And it was just so cool to realize like within a year, he's going to be a big time heel of the nation domination. And then literally two years from this pay-per-view, he's going to be a world champion. So it's just, it's wild when we see how uh, how far he goes in, you know, six years later, he's one of the
0: biggest names
1: in Hollywood. Yeah, it's truly
0: unbelievable. Um, what about that pre-match promo that the heel team did? Where yeah. They were talking about how, like, Marrow only had three people on his team, except for, and, like, everyone goes through and talks, and, like, they're spouting, you know, True uh, true. Tri- Triple H says his promo against you know, and then, and then Crush says his words, and Lawler spouts his nonsense, and then Goldust just says his catchphrase.
1: Yeah. I was well, like,
0: like, okay. But did you notice, like, when everyone else is talking, if you looked at Triple H, all he was
1: doing was staring at Marlena. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go back and see that. Uh, good for him. Uh, <laughs> um, that's wild to me. My man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, what, the,
0: the next year's, uh, what, Slammy's when he's running down Sonny. it's uh, like, oh, I got a best friend who said she's not even all that good at that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, my man, <laughs> let me uh let me ask you here at the end. You know, Gold uh, The Rock is the sole survivor after twenty three, almost twenty four minutes. Um, what did you think? I know he didn't look good, but what did you think of Jake? Oh, I mean, he he didn't look good. No, <laughs> he didn't. No, he didn't.
0: He but was, he
1: still some of the moves he, he was putting on, yeah. look believable. I mean, I'm
0: this point that he wasn't wearing that vest that he wore at the 96 king of the ring probably yeah. maybe should have dug that one out because yeah he's not you know he's not looking like someone's dad i can't
1: believe vince put that on tv
0: <laughs> like
1: i can't believe he let jake out there looking like that
0: i mean jake didn't last much longer in the company after this no, so no. it's
1: not like it was going to be a permanent thing no um I-, I thought it was not that good i mean the finish was good. Was okay. Uh, the goal of the match was to basically let everybody know, like, hey, this is Rocky Maivia, He's arrived. So let's pay attention to him. Um, you know, you could tell even by commentary it was even Sonny was talking about, you know, the High Chief Peter Via and Rocky Johnson, and um, you know, even Sonny was talking about the history of of you know Rocky's family. Um, but yeah, you know, look, th- it was it was a way to introduce the rock to the company and to Madison square garden. Um, what did you think of the match? Like where you, did you just be like, ah, eh, it was there. It was, it did its job. Yeah. That's what I mean. It was
0: there as a match. It it, it got the rock over as you know, this guy is, it, it is an next best thing. This is someone, this is someone we're going to have our eye on in the future. Yeah. Um, it was, and it was kind of surreal just seeing him and triple H face off, like for the very first time in that ring. I'm like, and you're sitting there, you figure, if you're watching this in 96, you don't realize what you're watching when you're seeing the two of them go together. You know, when they're face off, you don't realize you're watching literally the very first time these two who are going to have one of the greatest feuds of all time, you know, four years, like four years later.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Uh, For for, for the WWF title, like Mm -hmm. you don't realize it, but it's, when you go back and look at now, you're like, wow, this is huge and important mm-hmm. and having and having the rock as the sole survivor
1: it's it shows how much faith vince used to have in people agreed that was definitely a sign of of the kind of faith he had in, in certain people back then um now we get to an absolute just classic Oof. um there's videos shown to set up bret hart versus steve austin the gist of the story was that Brett took a six-month break and said that things changed in WWF because he wasn't there. Well, we Always thought he was so important. While he was gone, Austin was a star on the rise after winning King of the Ring. Hart called Austin the best wrestler in the business at the time, which to me was a clear-cut jab at the current world champion of, uh, of Shawn Michaels. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Austin called out Brett Hart, saying he wanted a match with him, and Hart accepted. There was a great line. I loved uh, to this day I wish it was a t-shirt. If you put the letter S in front of Hitman, then you have my opinion of Brett Hart.
0: <laughs> I always love when he says that. And then you hear it then you hear Benson
1: just like, oh all, all right, all right. Like it <laughs> so, so <laughs> good. Um Austin's getting interviewed by Todd Pettengill backstage. He told Brett that cliches are cliches and that Hart is going to get an ass whooping. Uh Hart. Oh, you know Austin makes his entrance to a big time pop, I thought, um, but there were definitely booze as well um, but boy, as much as I'm not a huge fan of Brett the human, I'm a mega fan of Brett the performer dude I got I actually got chills watching his entrance here at, at inside msG in his return match. um dude, how over was Brett in New York in this crowd
0: they loved him, God, yeah. they loved him
1: mhm-. Yeah, it was, it was just wild, man. Um, you know, Hart's get got interviewed prior saying that MSG is holding ground. Um, and he's got his fans out here waiting for his comeback Hart, I love this. This was a great line. He must've thought he was in Bahrain. Must have that Canadian contingency. I actually thought this was a great, great line, uh, by Brett where he says he's not greedy for money. He's greedy for respect. And after tonight, um, Austin will respect him. Um, you know like i said hart receives a massive ovation from the crowd since it was his first televised match since wrestlemania 12 when he lost the title um it it was just a, a massive ovation it was a great entrance i also love um how uh brett added some like yellow or gold to his his tights here uh added some uh, more color i was always a big fan of uh, of what he wore it was, a, um, it
0: was it was a great accent really
1: it really was i agree I really enjoyed it. Um, so dude, this this is this match is legendary, man. Brett got the win at 29 minutes. Um, just wow. Like, I gave this five stars, dude. Like, yeah. it was awesome. Hands down. We people, if people want to remember what kind of worker Steve Austin was pre-neck injury, watch this match. Um, and of course, watch WrestleMania 13 a few months later, but Dude, stone cold Steve Austin Survivor Series 1996. What a bleeping worker he was. Um, what was your thoughts on on this one? I watching this match
0: I forgot what kind of worker Austin was pre neck injury. He's doing stuff I'm saying I'm like wow, like Austin could go and then, and then I'm sitting here and all I'm thinking is what if he never got the neck injury in 97? What if Owen didn't drop him on his head and fucking compact his spine. Like what kind of matches were, were we going to get out of Austin? You know,
1: with a fully functioning body. Yeah. That's what I thought. I'm thinking to myself, man, I, I sometimes myself forget the high level performer that he was like, um, we could have had Austin in the ruthless aggression era. We could have cool. had like Austin. Yeah. We could,
0: we, we, Could have, we were so close. We were right on the cusp. We could have had Austin versus Cena. We could Um, have had, we could have had Austin versus Michaels when Michaels came back in 2002. This could have, I mean, he could have just, he could have been the best wrestler in the world for 10 years straight. Like, if he didn't get hurt. Like, Just think Austin and Eddie Guerrero. Oh, I mean, Austin wanted that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, it was,
1: I know like you could dine out on this shit. Like the, 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 the possibilities were endless. I agree. You know, this was the the biggest match of Austin's life at the time. There was a lot of pressure on him to perform at a high level. He's inside Madison square garden here for a big time pay-per-view and he, he delivered, man. It felt like a big fight. Um, which is to me when pro wrestling is at its best. You know, you had one of the big spots was when Austin hit the stunner and and Hart kicked out. You know, guys weren't kicking out of finishers in 1996, but right. Hart kicks out of uh, the Stone Cold Stunner here. Um, you know, the finish was really well done because Austin went for multiple submission moves in the match. It it was a story of, of Austin trying to end the match in different ways. How? You know, he did he was basically in his head, like I have to pull out everything I can to beat Brett Hart. If I have to do a bunch of different submissions, then I gotta do it. Um, you know, he lost because he held on to the million-dollar dream too long. Um, it was just it, it, it was very reminiscent of what Brett Hart did against Roddy Piper back at WrestleMania 8. Um, almost the same exact finish. Um, although I this is going to be maybe blasphemous to hear. I thought from start to finish, this match was better than their WrestleMania 13 match. The WrestleMania 13 match, of course, had the blood. And that was really what transcended Steve Austin to the stratosphere in terms of his, his popularity. But you know, there was chairs involved in that match from a straight start to finish bell to bell storytelling wrestling match. I feel like this one was a smidge better than WrestleMania 13. Do you agree or disagree? Uh,
0: I mean, I think they're on par with each other. That's what I'm saying. Like,
1: that. It might be yeah. like a smidge. Like a smidge uh, from the kind of wrestling that I like. I just felt like by 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 WrestleMania, you expected this kind of performance out of Steve Austin. In Survivor Series 96, I didn't expect Steve Austin to be that great. And he became that great. So I felt like that's why I put that this one a smidge ahead because it like shocked me how great Austin came out there and was. Yeah,
0: it's, uh, it, it's hard to like compare because, because both were just, um, just had real, had really creative finishes. Like nobody expected. No, it was, it was, it was a pinfall, but it might as well have been like a roll up. Mm-hmm. Essentially a creative version of roll but then in the WrestleMania thirteen Austin passes out from blood loss and pain. So it's just like it's to me, I'm I'm looking at if I'm looking at both matches, I can't put one over the other. But yeah. if I have gun to my head you're gonna make me choose, I'm gonna say this one because it was a little more um it was less gimmicky.
1: That's what I meant. So, yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this is the best match in Survivor Series history? Off the top of your head, off the top of my head, yes. Okay. Off the like, if I'm
0: going straight off the top of my head, like I have, yeah, I got to go through and look at some stuff. Yeah, but, but yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, so with this win, that meant that Bret Hart uh, earned a title shot against either Shawn Michaels or Psycho Sid at the December pay per view. Um, after this, you know, Psycho Sid did a quick interview with Doc Hendricks uh, about the title match, and then we get to an absolute just crap show here. I can't even believe Vince McMahon put this on his pay-per-view, but here we are. This was your
0: bathroom. This was your bathroom match. uh, This was
1: your, let me go to the bathroom. Let me find somewhere to go eat. I'll stand there and eat it, and then I'll come back. Survivor Series elimination match, Farouk, Vader, Razor, Ramon, and Diesel. That would be fake Razor and fake Diesel versus uh, Savio Vega, Flash Funk, Jimmy Snuka, and Yokozuna. Flash funk's and Flash Funk's debut also. Yes, it was. Um
0: there was a, a line that Jim Ross said during Flash Funk's entrance that was the biggest fucking shot in the world at Hogan where like Flash Funk comes out and Jim Ross goes, Red and yellow has never looked better in this building. Oh my god. i was like what
1: i heard that i was like yeah he's taking a shot (laughs) did you see how many shots or did you hear uh during the brett and and um the brett awesome match how many shots like jr was taking at wcw like little like about athleticism and real wrestling happens every year real entertainment like damn Vince is over here going, ha, 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 that's right, Jim. You like he's on mute, probably giggling to himself. Yeah. He's like, yeah, do it again, do it again. He's like drinking his his Pro as he's giggling on, on mute.
0: <laughs> it's funny because like with all the shots they were taking, it was like watching an episode of Dynamite Now. <laughs>
1: oh, God, <laughs> so you're like... so right. Um, look, the, the best thing but I that can that was, say... but this was an actual war, not what the hell's going on now. I I know. <laughs> um <laughs> this match ended with uh, no t- survivors. It was a disqualification. It ended at just under 10 minutes. Um, I I thought, you know, the, the biggest word I could say about this match was that it was just embarrassing. This, um, th- this match
0: ended as it started with no winners.
1: Exactly. It, you know, I guess if you think of it, like Vader should have been the sole survivor here. But I think by this point, the WWF are so soured with him. You know, the reality is that no matter you know what what match was in this spot, it would have had a hard time following Austin and and Hart. So no matter what, this match was doomed. <laughs> so what what exactly was the purpose of Captain Lou Albano coming out and sitting at I, the Smash announce table? I don't know. I don't understand. Like, even Vince and JR didn't even really have an answer. They're like, oh, here's
0: here's here's our buddy Lou Albano, and then he sits on the Spanish dance table. I'm like, I, "Like, what? I think Lou's supposed to be on commentary, but nobody told him what table to go to. So he just
1: sat at the one that had, that had the one. chair. He's like, this is close enough. Well, and then he started hearing them talk, and he probably goes, well, uh, this isn't where I parked my car. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, it's a me, Mario. <laughs> Probably we're uh, at a warp pipe at this point. <laughs> oh my god. Here we go. Main event time. Um there's a video package about Shawn Michaels as the eight-month-long uh WWF champion and you know, psycho Sid's desire to become the champion. Sid makes his entrance, and you could you could tell right then and there when he comes out, man, this is gonna be a, a hot crowd for Sid. You know, New York, I guess, love them some some psycho Sid. Um, even though New he York was loves gonna- Psychos yeah that's clear uh he was a tweener at this point i felt like anyway you know because fans always either liked him or didn't like him i felt like they always just loved his character he was a larger than life attraction he really was um and there was plenty of sid chance i love the sid uh pyro in the middle of the ring oh my god that's some of the best pyro god i love that i miss that so much (sighs) um that's 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 just good shit pal um Shawn Michaels comes out as the champion, walking out with "I, I just, I can't, I can't stand anything involving Jose Lothario." Nineteen ninety-six. I don't Um,
0: understand why they gave him a manager. It's not like it's not like Jose Lothario was speaking for him during promos. To this day, Sean still doesn't know why.
1: Sean still doesn't know why they asked Jose Lothario to be there. Um, so. It was just really bad. I, I just, I couldn't stand it. You might as well just had him with like Chavo Classic or something and just made, it made no uh, sense. I know, I know. Um, So I went into this match thinking that there, that there might've been a title change because I, I even knew back then that it's a big pay-per-view. It's a big fight Feel Michaels has already been champion for a while. And I always had, even at that age, I, I knew from back in the day, like, Sid was always on top wherever he went, so I, I figured this might have been a title change. But in my head, as a Sean Michaels mark, I'm like, ah, that's all right, Sean always finds ways to beat the big guy. Um, and you know, I, 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 you know, it, it in a sense, this probably should have been Vader's spot, but you know, Vader kind of got himself out of his spot. So, what is at this era, what did Vince always do. Well, let's call Sid um, and just see what he's doing. We'll just plop him into a main event somewhere. Um, so here we are, WWE uh, F Championship, Shawn Michaels versus Psycho Sid. Um, this match I thought started tough, but um, the winner by pinfall, a new champion at the end, after 20 minutes with Psycho Sid, I felt like the first like five minutes of this match was really hard to watch because – Sid, does, Sid has to be carried No matter who he's wrestling And you could tell there were many spots In the beginning Where like Sean had to yell the spot to him Because like you have this dude That's six foot nine, three 320 pounds Standing there Like what do I do next? What am I going to do? Oh I'll just I'll throw 8 kicks in a row at you um, And then it started to really pick up As Sean started to carry the match through And then by the end of it I thought man, this is probably Sid's best match of his career, which is why Sean is the greatest ever, because you could sit here and say, this is Sid's greatest match of his career. Um, You know, Michaels had that ability. And so did Brett. Brett Hart had the ability to carry inferior wrestlers. And that's what he had to do here. Uh, Michaels was... One, you could tell he was on his game mentally tonight. He bumped all over the place, making Sid look like a monster that he was. Um, and the crowd reactions were super interesting because Michaels, who normally is that massive baby face getting cheered everywhere, you could hear a lot of, let's go, Sid, let's go, Sid. And Sean was like looking at the crowd where I know for a fact, not going to say why I know, I know for a fact, Sean Michaels said, uh, during this time, I kind of just gave that away there. Shawn Michaels knew like when he's looking into the crowd, he's saying, thank God I can somehow I can start to turn <laughs> like they're going to start hating me. I can finally be get out of this white meat baby face thing. Like, you know, he was really, you know, just to let everyone know, uh, you know, 26 years later, 27 years later. Shawn Michaels was very, very thrilled with the booing. <laughs> um, so just, just to 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 let people in on on a little secret there. Um, yeah, you know the, the bit with the camera, I thought was a unique finish. I didn't like it. Um, reason being, I I just don't. I didn't like Jose Lothario being part of anything. But I guess it was a really good ending because it does set up the rematch for the Rumble in January. Um, but, I, the the ending didn't spoil the match for me. Um I thought it 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 was a really good match. I gave it four to five stars. Uh What was your thoughts on on that main event?
0: Um, Michaels as a face in the nineties didn't really work all that well for me. Mm-hmm. Like like going back and looking at it, it's just like uh, you know yeah, the boyhood dream, but it's like, this isn't, this isn't doing anything for me. And I'll tell you why this isn't doing anything for me. Mm-hmm. Is that your face champion, I mean, he's always going to get his cheers, but eventually they're going to give up if you don't give him good competent heels to face against. Exactly. You know, you know, face Bulldog, a king of the ring. You know, he's facing mankind. I mean, mankind's just coming in. He's not giving, he's, he's not you know, taking the title off of Sean at all, you know, at all, you know, even like Sid coming in, but like people knew who Sid was and they're like, all right, like, you know, let's see what goes on here. Yeah. And Sean, for all of his faults, I mean, he's a, he was a better face when he came back in 2002 because they let him do a little more. It was a a different time. You had stronger heels.
1: And in 2002, Sean could have been a tweener and it would have been believable. Yeah. So. And if
0: you look at what the and if you look at what the other company is doing at this time, like with the NWO, I mean, Hogan's a heel, but he's getting cheers. Yeah, like yep. it was kind of shifting towards all right. Like we need someone cool to kind of cheer for, and all you know, babyface Shawn Michaels dancing with kids in the ring and it's, it's cool for the kids. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's a shame that Vincent did his lesson from this, as he did with John Cena later on. You mm-hmm. know, they did the same thing with Cena. You know, Cena's coming out and Cena's getting booed out of the building, and he's the biggest face in the company. Yep. I mean, yep. we were all booing Cena at one point. I mean, now we love him. Of course.
1: But, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> yeah.
0: Th- that white meat baby face thing, that can, that will only work so well for so long before yep. you need to make the change. And I this agree. is, and, you know, he loses the belt here. I mean, he gets it back. I, I feel like he, I feel like he, it didn't matter who he was facing at this match. He was losing that belt just so he could win it in San Antonio at the rumble.
1: I agree. I, I agree. That was, that was the plan. And I, and I know what's his name. Um Bruce Pritchard. I said multiple times, like this was the plan. Like <laughs> it was a plan all along. And Sid knew that. And um S-
0: Sid is an, an unlike taker. Sid is the kind of guy that needs big guys to face.
1: Mm-hmm. He
0: does not do well with little guys. And when he, know you know, he you look in, 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 WW. Sid was having better matches with Kevin Ash, than he was in, in Scott Hall than he was having with Michaels or anybody else, you know, smaller than him. So.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, hands down. Um, all right. So that's, that's survivor series, man. Like post-match Sid celebrates with WWE title. Michaels checks on Lothario as EMT show up here. Um, and then Michaels just leaves the arena. Um, obviously, it storyline. Lothario was fine. Thank God it was the second to last time we ever see him. Um, you know, after the match, Sid walks around the ring with the title. Vince busts out the famous catchphrase. Anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. Um, and then Vince says thank you, and then that's it. Uh, Sid's title ran lasted two months. Um, they They did change the title because they wanted Michaels to have that big win back in his hometown at the Alamo Dome at the Royal Rumble 97. Um, so look, two hours and 55 minutes out of 10, man. Um, what do you give this show?
0: This wasn't a great pay-per-view in terms of your match and in terms of match quality, mm-hmm. but just considering everything that happened in this pay-per-view, it's an important pay-per-view for the business. It's an important pay-per-view for WWE. More more importantly, not such for the business, because of the people who became stars in this pay-per-view. Right. Rock, mankind. I mean, Taker's stock rose even higher. Triple H, you know, he's an arcontinent all champion and he's just healing up all over the place. <laughs> you know, we got stars at this pay-per-view. Yes. The pieces were there. It was like I said before, the pieces were there. It's just a matter of Figuring out what to do with them and accentuate their strengths. On the whole, pay per view, not all that good. I'm giving it a six out of 10, based mainly solely off of Brett and Austin. But every other match, kind of extremely forgettable mm-hmm. to a point. I mean, Mankind and Undertaker have had so many matches throughout their career. This one I actually kind of forgot about, but then I just saw a shark cage. I'm like, ah. And then I remember how long it's been since we've had somebody in a shark cage.
1: Yeah, we should probably. I, miss it. I don't miss. You do miss it. This is this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm
0: thinking. All right. So for like the next NXT pay per view, or or, or 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 premium live event, okay. you do you do dirty Dominic Mysterio hmm. against Wesley for North American title. Put Rhea Ripley in the shark cage above the rank
1: All right, you sold me.
0: And then have her bend the bars and get out like China did when she was suspended above it.
1: (laughs) You had me at Rear Ripley Bend, Um, man. So um, I think I I think I had
0: myself there too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's getting hot in here for Johnny B Blood. (laughs) Um, So to me, I thought it was a well booked show. Um, You know, you take away the last elimination match. Um, which was an absolute mess. But, you know, it was the the one with the rock that was meant to do its job, and it did it. It did a good job. Obviously, there was two, it was a five-star match in this pay-per-view, a legendary one between Austin and Brett, you know, and then you have a four-star one here with the main event, to me, between Sean and Sid. I thought the crowd was super hot, um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, you gave it a six, you said? Six out of ten, yeah. All right. I'm going to go with a seven to me. I think when you have a five-star match and another four-star match, I, I feel like, I feel like you deserve a little bit more cred there. Um, I do think it's one of the best survivor series events ever. I I mean, if I, I'm gonna have to go back, I know we're covering a couple really good ones. So I'll have to table that opinion for now. I'm going to have to go watch the ones that we picked and see how they go. Um, but yeah, you know Bret Hart was probably the top star for me that night, uh, with with Austin two and Michaels three. So I thought it was a really good show overall. So I give it a seven. Um, so yeah, that's that is Survivor Series nineteen ninety six. Everybody, um, next week we are going to be covering Survivor Series nineteen ninety nine. We are full bore in the attitude era by this point. So it's going to be fun to talk about that one. Oof. Um I, and I watched this correct. one, so yeah, I'm going to be watching this one probably tomorrow. No, I watched it live in 1999. Oh, I did too. But yeah, I just, I can't, I have to, um I have to watch it again.
0: Obviously. Now when I say I watched it live, I mean, I watched it with the squiggly lines on the pay-per-view channel. On my cable
1: box. <laughs> I watched it nonetheless. Well, we all tried to do that. Back in the day. Um, So, yeah. Um, All right, guys, thank you so much for for checking us out. Again, we've done two shows here this week Bad Blood 97, and now this one. So, you know, if you guys go to the Hot Tag page, you'll see two new episodes coming up. So, give them both a listen. Let us know what you think. We really appreciate this. This is going to be the norm here. Not two episodes a week. I mean, there'll be some times where we do um, probably uh, have two episodes in a week, but. It's not going to be something that we're probably going to have too much time for in the near future. Um, But we will be here once a week, mostly, no matter what, at some point. Um, So I'm Chrissy Francesco. That's George Rogers. Follow us at the Hot Tag Podcast on Instagram uh, for any show updates moving forward as well. Uh, Thank you very much. Listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. George, uh, you have a multiverse movie podcast as well. Uh, I do. Yes, I do. Tell the crowd uh, what you have coming up. Listen, we just finished up our horror movie
0: reviews um that we do every year for six weeks, that we call the six 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 weeks of horror, the fourth year that we've done it. We usually do 13 movies. We cut it down to nine this year to for reasons that you'll find out if you listen to the podcast. But we just we just finished that up. So we're back into movie form. But before we start that, we're kicking off the next week's episode with our Video game discussion uh, piece that we call Tanuki Talk. Um, not sure the topic on that yet. You just have to tune in to find out, or you can follow us at Multiverse Movie Podcast on Instagram. We post updates on there on a regular basis. Just put up a brand new logo that we are more than thrilled to have
1: had done, and it looks oh, beautiful. It is. It is a work of art. It is a nostalgia dream that logo like uh, it just it gives you all the feels i love it um yeah definitely check out the multiverse movie podcast and chris we are and we're gonna
0: have chris on an episode in probably a couple weeks too for his birthday you know we're a little something for him a little little pirate action chris is a big swashbuckler so
1: i am i am the pirate Chris chris fires the cannons on a regular basis that's correct The pirate is my second favorite wrestler of all time. Um, So (laughs) Paul Burchill. All right. uh, Thank you very much to everybody listening. This has been the hot tag wrestling show uh, and we'll catch you guys down the road. Have a great rest of your week and weekend. Bye-bye.